Hello everyone, I am Mr. Frisco and this is my real estate show. Today on my show, Frisco Housing Market Insights, my guest today is Steven Matsumoto, owner of Junus Liquor Store and Stigmare Marketing and Branding. And what's new going on in Frisco and North Davos business and social lives? Meet Mr. Frisco, a realtor selling residential real estate in Frisco and far north Dallas. As a former professional athlete, track and field, and strength and conditioning coach, Mr. Frisco immigrated to the USA 20 years ago with $50 in his pocket, a suitcase, and zero English to pursue the American dream and build a successful real estate business. Hardworking, persistent, customer service, and detail-oriented, Mr. Frisco strives to secure a smooth closing on his client's biggest investment, their home. He puts his experience and knowledge to serve his clients the best way possible. Building his business by referral allows him to maintain relationships with his clients and serve them even after the transaction is closed. This is Frisco Realty News with Mr. Frisco. So let's see what was happening on uh, Frisco real estate market in March. The median Frisco uh, existing home price for March is 2% lower compared with the same time of the last year, reaching $664,500, and the median price for March increased 17.6% compared with February. The inventory on the market is 30% higher compared with the same time of the last year, with 182 homes on the market for sale, and um, it's increased 30% in March compared with February. The median existing home sales for March is 11.3% higher compared with the same time of the last year, reaching 165 sold homes, and the home sales for March increased 22 22.2% <clears throat> compared with February. The median days on the market in March is higher compared with the same time of the last year, reaching 13 days, but it takes 14 days less in March to sell a home compared with February. And the month supply of inventory on the market is 1.1 months, which is a still strong seller's market. And now it's time for my guest. Uh, let me introduce you, Steven Matsumoto, owner of Junus Liquor Store and Stigma Marketing and Branding. All right. Hey, Steven. Good to see you, buddy. It has been, uh, you know, a long time friends. And now finally you made it to my podcast. Thanks for coming. My pleasure. Thank you so much, Victor. Great. Well, when we met, uh, how many years ago, man? It was like probably three, four it years ago. It was pre-pandemic. So pre-pandemic. Yep. Times. What was it? At your, you were doing your networking event at Astoria Cafe, man, down in Addison Circle. Yep. Yep. Okay. Well, uh, you were just arrived in Dallas, I believe. Correct. Yeah, because it's like, uh, oh God, what has it been? I, I think it's almost been five years now that I've been in Dallas. I think I was it 2018. Yeah, I think we started, we met in 2019, if I remember correctly. Like, it was really right before the pandemic. It was around there. Yes, yes. And well, you finally made it uh, to to my podcast. Thank you very much. Thank I feel honored much. and blessed. <laughs> so, um, you came to Dallas and you moved from where? I believe Seattle. Yep. Yeah, I moved here from the Seattle area um, after having grown up there, and you know, it's like 
ironically, I was born in Texas, but I grew up in Seattle because I was a military brat. You know, my father was in the army, so we moved around a lot as a kid. And uh, when we became of school age, that's when uh, my biological father got out of the military and we settled uh, in the Puyallup, Tacoma area initially, which is near Joint Base Lewis-McChord, which at that time was just Fort Lewis and McCord Air Force Base. So military is in your genes. I know that you are you're a Marine, uh, correct? Yeah. Thanks for your yep. service, by uh, the way. Yeah, eight years in the Marine Corps, uh, plus a little bit over eight years, but um, who's counting? Uh, yeah, no, it's like my mother, when she retired from Boeing, got huge into genealogy. And so she's, to keep herself busy during retirement, she's been researching our family history and has traced it all the way back to her maiden name, which originated in Scotland. And ironically, her I'm not going to say it on air because, you know, that's a privacy concern, but uh, her maiden name is shared with William Wallace's mother. All and right. so there's a distinct possibility that I may or may not be related to William Wallace. <laughs> <laughs> well, you better be. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I mean, well, and it's great because um, – the the family's motto in Scotland, because they were the Lord Sheriffs of Asire, Scotland, uh, is to protect <laughs> through strength. Um, so I think that is probably why throughout our family's history, there's a strong military influence. Um, having, you know, a lot of families can say they had members on both sides of the Civil War. We had members on both sides of the Revolutionary War in the United States. Wow. Wow. Okay. So you're you're just a warrior, huh? <laughs> uh, but, to somewhat, yeah, <laughs> somewhat, I guess. Yeah. Uh, well, um, now you're back in Texas, where you were born, uh, and um, what was your your business back in in Seattle? What did you do there? I know that you were kind of in the in the uh, fashion uh, field. Yeah, so I um, I had two big projects in Seattle. My main business, which is Stigmar, which is a marketing, branding, and public relations firm. Uh, and then I also got heavily involved in the independent fashion scene in Seattle uh, because unknown to a lot of people, Seattle actually has the fourth highest concentration of fashion designers in the United States. Um, it's a multi-billion dollar industry in Washington state. Uh you know, huge names that a lot of people recognize are headquartered in Seattle, like Nordstrom's, uh, Tommy Bahama, Filson, um, Zoomies. These are all Washington-based fashion companies. So it's kind of like uh, the capital of the fashion, like a Milan in uh, in Italy. So that's the Washington. Uh, it is. It's number four behind New York, L.A., and San Francisco. Oh, okay. Well, I didn't know that. That's great to know. Great to know. Um, and then you decided to make that move, and uh, and here you uh, started with uh, you kept going with uh, branding and marketing, but now you have uh, you entrepreneur. I know that <laughs> you entrepreneur. I have and, entrepreneurial ADD. Uh, yes, yeah. I get bored easily and need new <laughs> projects. <laughs> yeah. So you have a new project. And by the way, I'm very very impressed with this project. I'm uh, I have like kind of. Uh, a sentiment to this, uh, uh, to this part, you know, this business. It's a liquor business, you know. I, you know that I'm a big fan of scotch, of not scotch, whiskey, Irish whiskey. So, um, 
you started and you bought a liquor store recently. When did you buy it? Yeah, um, we closed on that uh, November 28th of last year. And so, yeah, we're coming up on, well, I think today actually marks the four-month, no, let's see, November, December, January. Wow, we've been at this for five months now. Wow, it doesn't feel like it. <laughs> so it feels longer or? Uh, no, I mean, it's, there are times where it feels like we're beating our heads against a wall, but, you know, we bought a distressed asset. There was a lot of things that needed to be changed um, to get it back to being a profitable, high-volume store that it was um, before the previous ownership had some challenges. Um, but, you know, their, their challenges led to a great opportunity for us. We were able to buy the store for well below the market value of it. Um, and in fact, right now we're actually getting ready to raise another round of capital. We're going to convert the entity into a C corp from an LLC um, with the plans of a growth through acquisition strategy, so that we can buy more stores and enter the wholesale liquor business where we sell to bars and restaurants. Um, kind of give uh, the local hero specs a run for their money. Great. Okay, uh, we talked about that because, you know, uh, we're friends, we get together time to time and talk about business and you shared with me your concept. So could you share your concept for this liquor store with uh, with uh, our audience? Uh, because it was very interesting. It's different than the Total Wine or whatever is out there, like conventional stores, you know, uh, as people know the the liquor stores as is as it is yeah absolutely i mean <laughs> when you look at the liquor industry in texas there's really three segments of stores there are the huge box stores like total wine which are the national players uh and then there's the the larger regional players like specs goody goody um and then there's all of these little independents and a lot of these little independents I mean, they're little mom and pop shops. Um, you go into them, they, they look and feel like you're in a convenience store. Um, not a lot of character. So our goal is to create kind of a boutique environment that feels more like you're in a distillery than in a strip mall. Um, I use Starbucks as an example, one, because I grew up in Seattle, so it's they're a major success story that came out of S Seattle. But one of the things that Starbucks did very early on in their development is they decided that they wanted to be what Howard Schultz called the third place. First place being your home, second place being your work, third place being Starbucks. So these would be – he saw Starbucks as being a core part of your everyday life. Well, we want to kind of make um, our liquor store, Juno's Liquor, the fourth place. We want it to be that boutique environment. You feel like you're coming into a distillery. It's going to be very small stores comparatively to someone like Specs or Total Wine um, or even someone like Liquor Depot. And I'm giving all of my competitors a lot of free advertising right now, but that's how we differentiate. Um, 
Our stores are not going to be large. They're going to be neighborhood stores, something that's within two to five miles of your home. And that's kind of our idea for the concept is that we want to be that neighborhood store that you can come to to get all of your essentials, but also kind of elevate your experience through tastings and cocktail making classes um, and really feel comfortable. Not quite the place you can hang out like you can a Starbucks, but still feel like it's a comfortable shopping experience, like you're not being inundated with the fluorescent lights and the white tile of a typical strip mall independent liquor store. So something like a cheers bar in, uh, in, the, liquor <laughs> industry, in the liquor industry. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's like we, we, it's like I have several customers that are regulars that I, it's like I know their names. We've got a loyalty program. And, you know, one of the things that I purposely try to do um, when someone is a part of their loyalty program, when they put in their phone number, their profile pops up. And, and once I see their name, because I'm terrible at remembering names, it's like I'll start addressing that customer by their name. A person's name is the most important word in their life. They love hearing their name. So bringing that personal touch and and making it feel more connected, I, I guess that's the word. So uh, let's say the tastings is going to be part of your of your marketing, so you're going to do regular tastings and stuff. Don't forget to invite me to one, especially when, when <laughs> you have the whiskey all, tasting. <laughs> all of our tastings are listed on Eventbrite. We do them every Thursday from 5 to 8 p.m. Um, at the at our primary store in Arlington. Uh, we are actively actually looking for other stores to acquire as part of uh, this reorganization that we're doing um, with the capital raise. So um, the way the liquor industry is structured, it's all it's a very low margin business. Um, so you have to deal in volume or you, you won't survive. So are you planning some educational you know, uh, programs, to, you know, to educate people about different kind of wines, different kind of, uh, of liquor, you know, it, it, it's a fun for the people, you know, because uh, a lot of people don't know much. They may, they may drink, but they don't know exactly what they drink. Yeah, and that is definitely part of the long-term strategy. Um, right now, we kind of use the tastings as an opportunity to educate folks um, because usually we'll have someone that the distillery has hired and that has gotten some of the bullet points. Um, but we do want to go deeper into those long-term. Um, right now, in our primary space, we our store is only 780 square feet. It's a tiny store, so not a lot of room. So uh, when we get to the point where we can have uh, something that's 1,500 to 2,000 square feet. We definitely want to kind of do those types of educational classes. And we're working on uh, developing content for our website. Um, we just got permissions from uh, one of our distributors to start republishing some of the stuff that they put on their website that we have access to as a store um, that isn't generally available to the public. So uh, we worked with their legal team so that we can republish some of that content on our website, which will help us with our content marketing strategy and SEO, but also help educate the customers on some of their favorite brands and maybe learn something about a brand they might have heard of but haven't jumped the shark to try yet. Wow. Okay. Great. Um, let's move a little bit out of the drinking because I'm getting drunk only listening to that. Uh, so uh, let's go to, to your first business, branding and marketing. What do you offer there? I 
I, uh, you know, I have all uh, some of your uh, products, and they're great. Um, people like them. Uh, what's your focus there, and uh, what's your target there? Sure, absolutely. So um, when we first founded Stigmar back in 2009, uh, the original mission statement was we were going to be Mad Men meets the Devil Wears Prada. Uh, <laughs> so we were really going for a high-end field um, in the in the luxury and semi-luxury markets. Uh, we primarily focus on luxury real estate, an industry you're very familiar with, uh, luxury automotive, and the fashion industry. Those are three verticals that we really like to cater to. Um, things that we do, we do uh, a lot of uh, product development and sourcing. So you mentioned some of the products that you have of yours. It's like, you know, part of what we do is we go through traditional uh, promotional product channels to find brand relevant items that are actually going to be used by the customer to keep your brand in front of them. Um, you know, I, uh, I, I joke at your networking events. Yeah. If you ever got a, um, a vegetable peeler from Victor, that was from us. Uh, <laughs> but it's a great thing for a realtor and it's a low cost item that you can hand out that keeps your brand in front of them. It keeps a, it creates a little bit of an aha wow moment with the customer. Oh, well, thank you. It's like, you know, I, I, it's like, who doesn't dig through their junk drawer in their kitchen looking for the kitchen peeler only to realize, you know, they've only got one and it's in the dishwasher. Well, now you have another one. And the ergonomic form and the, the design of it was really great. Um, I always say to people when it comes to their promotional merchandise, why would you put your logo on something that you would throw away? Because I there is so much poorly manufactured, inexpensive product within the space. And a lot of people think, well, this is just a giveaway. I shouldn't spend a lot of money on it. It's like you're giving it away to someone that you hope is going to spend five to 10 times the amount you spent on that with you. What does it say if you hand them a pen and it breaks before you walk out the front door? So that's kind of the approach that I've always taken to the promotional product space. Um, we also do uh, branded apparel. Uh, we can do simple stuff like embroidering on a Nike polo, everything to where we've got, we work with factories where we can actually custom design something for you. Uh, of course, it all depends on your budget. Uh, if you're, if you only need five shirts, we're not going to be able to do something custom for you. Yeah. But if you're in the, you know, if you're Patron tequila and you want a custom jacket or something that isn't just something that you pull out of a catalog and embroider your logo on, but something that really dives into your brand values, that's something we also have access to. It's like, I work with a lot of fashion companies doing something as simple as their, uh, their dust bags, custom drawstring bags. Uh, garment bags, things that when you look at them don't really appear to be marketing because they have a functional use, but it keeps that subconscious brand presence in front of your customer. So that's kind of the track that we take there um, on the physical merchandise side. Uh, then it's also content management, um, public relations. Like we uh, worked with a um, a business capital firm in Bellevue, and we were able to get them 
covered by Yahoo Finance. Uh, they ended up getting a billboard in Times Square, um, all over some product launches that they were doing when they uh, first initiated the company. So, uh, and I myself, it's like when I was heavy in the fashion industry, lever- leveraged uh, my PR connections to get a a media list as long as my arm. So it's all about being able to tell stories in a way that makes it easy for a reporter to want to cover your story. Um, a lot of people think, well, I'm, I, it's like, they should just want to cover it. It's news. Well, it, it is news, but if you make it hard for them to write the story, I mean, I've wrote in press releases where the reporter literally basically copy and pasted the press release into their story. And that's almost what you have to do for them because they're getting tens of thousands of these things a day from everyone under the sun that thinks they've got the greatest new mousetrap. So you have to be able to communicate in their language. Otherwise, they're just going to go next. They're going to, just like everything else in life, we all take the path of least resistance. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I went off on attention. No, there. no, Thank no, no, you. no. That's fine. That's fine. The more people know about you, the better. Uh, so, um, I know that you love the fashion industry and all that. <laughs> Do you miss it? There, yeah. There are there are times where I really miss it. Um, there are times where I want to. Like even myself, it's like having no design background, I've come up with concepts to launch menswear lines and things that would support uh, social causes that I'm passionate about. Um, There are a lot of things that I really miss about it. I I mean, working with fashion designers just constantly amazed me uh, because they can look at a pile of fabric and envision a beautiful ball gown or this really on trend, you know, leather jacket or a beautiful handbag. And I just, I admire that because I don't have that skill. It's like, I can't, I'm, I'm, I'm a creative, but not a creative in that way. Just the way their mind works and being around them sometimes when they're in the creative process is just, it's, it's such an interesting thing to observe when you don't have that skill. Like I, I tried to learn how to play the guitar in high school and I'm like failed miserably at it. I'm, I couldn't carry a tune in a bucket. And so now when I, it's like when I watch a musician and it's like just for them to be able to put all of that together and in such a seamless way, I just admire artists to no end. I, I wish I had that talent. I really do. Yeah. It's a talent. Absolutely. Well, um, if people would like to reach out to you, how can how can they do that? Well, luckily, you know, having a, a marketing and branding background, I'm pretty good at creating a digital footprint. So uh, I always tell people, if you can't get a hold of me, you're not trying hard enough. <laughs> Just uh, like um, I read a book back in 2000, what was it, 2006 or 2007, by an author named David Meerman Scott. He was kind of one of the early pioneers of personal branding and and creating your digital footprint. Um, and so, and that's the the reason he used his middle name because there's probably a thousand David Scotts out there. Well, 
even though my last name is Japanese, Stephen Matsumoto, I found, actually is a very common name. So I actually use my full name as well, Stephen Paul Matsumoto. So if you Google Stephen Paul Matsumoto, you will find things that I probably don't want you to know about me. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm pretty good at covering those up. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's like you can find me on LinkedIn at Stephen Paul Matsumoto. You can visit stigmar.com um, for our dust bag business. We have a, a unique website for that at customdustbags.com. If you're in the fashion industry, in the handbag and, and jewelry industry. Uh, and then the liquor store is just junosliquor.com. Uh, but yeah, it's like... If you're in the South Arlington area near Mansfield, it's like come by the store. We're on South Cooper Street, uh, about a half a mile from the Mansfield border. Uh, but, you know, if you need promotional merchandise or you want to talk about a brand strategy, um, I know we've, we both have a relationship with the folks over at Art of Strategy. Um, and so I try not to step on their toes because they are dear friends. Um, so it's like, they've been great at doing a lot of your digital and content marketing. It's like that. I, I've loved everything that I've seen them do. They helped you with your rebrand, which I'm really excited about. So, uh, you know, contact artist strategy. If you need good digital stuff, if you need, um, if you need the swag, give me a shout. I'd love to be of service to you. Great. Great. Um, do you sell by the by the way? Uh, do you accept orders online for liquor for for uh, you know for the liquor store? So that we do you do deliver. I believe you don't, but I don't know. So the, um, there's a lot of laws around that in Texas. So um, we do have the ability to deliver, but we can only deliver um, in the city where the store is. And or um, I think we can go like two miles into a neighboring city as long as that city allows liquor to be sold. So, for example, Mansfield is dry, so we can't deliver to Mansfield. Um, but we've also partnered uh, with Favor because right now it's like where the, the store is at. We don't have the manpower to to man the store and deliver. Uh, so we partnered with Favor Delivery. So uh, you can download the Favor app and find us on Favor to order um, some of the key items. We do also do online ordering for in-store pickup, and you can find that link um, on the Junos.com website. Uh, we That's all integrated with our point of sale system. Uh, and we did just start selling. We got our local distributors license so we can sell to bars and restaurants. Right now, we're focused on that and learning all the processes uh, that we need to to be in compliance Ooh, pardon me, with the state um, because there is a lot of reporting requirements to multiple different state agencies when it comes to wholesaling liquor to the bars and restaurants. So, um but yeah, and then for the promotional merchandise, we do have an online catalog. Um, you go to halo.com slash stigmar, and that'll be a lot of the common stuff. But if you're looking for that more unique stuff, that's something that's more specific to uh, a particular niche, it's always best to just send us a contact form or, or reach out to me on LinkedIn, and we can have a conversation about it. Well, great. Well, guys, uh, if you need promotional merchandise, just contact Steven Matsumoto. <laughs> he's great in what he's doing. And if you need to buy any alcohol, <laughs> Steven is the guy. All right? I appreciate it, Victor. Uh, 
Thanks, Stephen. Thanks for coming, man. Uh, I really enjoyed talking with you and I appreciate you coming uh, on to my show. I, I appreciate the opportunity to talk to your audience and I really love you, buddy. You're one of my dearest friends and closest friends here in Texas. And I just wanted to give you a public shout out and let you know how much I love you, dear friend. Thank you, buddy. Back to you. Right. You know that. <laughs> All right. Everything is bigger in Texas, especially the real estate market. California home builder Alancy Homes have uh, announced it's a moving, it's a Newport Beach, California headquarters to uptown Dallas. Even while adjusting to a market slowdown, price cuts, mortgage rates, uh, buy downs, and a reduction in a headquarter moving to Texas was the right move according to the Alancy executive. Cutting costs and boosting their Texas presence could help their bottom line, justifying a bold move in the current market. Not only will the move offer easier access to a more resilient market, but it will also reduce costs. In addition, since home uh, is where your heart is, their location also allows Alancy to be closer to a market they want to grow and reiterate their uh, commitment to Texas according to a recent article. 2022 was a year of solid growth with total revenue of over 1.4 billion, a record for the company. However, the second half of 2022 showed signs of waning demand prompting a surge of innovation and out-of-the-box thinking. Seeing a, a contagion of caution spreading among potential home buyers, Lancy CEO John Hustle that making a bold move was an easy solution. Alancy currently builds in Texas, Arizona, Florida, and California. However, Texas is only 3% of the building portfolio with most of their um, a lot ownership in Austin and San Antonio. With ongoing renegotiations with uh, vendors, suppliers, and contractors, they will be well uh, poised to continue growing and uh, prepared for a demand surge. Although market volatility and demand shifts challenge the national real estate market, Texas remains resilient, specifically in major metropolitan areas and uh, their suburbs. That's why it's always a good time to look for your dream home now. Lancy likely won't be the, the last home builder moving to Texas. Take advantage of this market and move into your dream home today. In response to uncertain demand, Lancy is proactively negotiating with suppliers, vendors, and contractors to make sure the prices the company is paying reflect the new market realities as well as Lancy's increased size and scale, the CEO said. The company is prepared to walk away from a land option agreement if they, they no longer meet uh, its needs, and the home builder has reduced its headcount head by about 8%, Hoss said. Lancy currently built homes and residential communities in Arizona, Florida, Texas, and California. In terms of home building, Lancy footprint in Texas is relatively small making up just 3% of the company's revenue in 2022. The company currently owns or uh, controls uh, 1,087 lots, mostly in Austin and San Antonio markets. California made up 35% 
of the company's uh, 2003 home building revenue in 2022. Florida made 33% and Arizona made up 22%. Uh, the company wants to boost its presence in the Lone, uh, Lone Star State, but uh, changing the, the geographical uh, percentage will take uh, some time, according to the CEO. Texas will come on towards the end of the year, but, the, but generally it will be around the same split, according to the CEO again. Thank you for watching my show, and I will see you in May.